I'm Amber Harper from the Burned In Teacher Podcast and a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, are you working with kids, you know, family members, colleagues whose feelings are just you know, got them down or, you know, they're, they're just confused by them or they're, they're not really understanding what they're feeling. Well, the, the Feeling Alphabet Activity Set by Edward K.S. Wang and Karen Gross is a resource to help students, families, teachers, and community members identify their feelings. If you cannot name feelings, then you cannot tame them. Learn more at KarenGrossEducation.com. Look under the book tab and find the Feeling Alphabet Activity Set. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Meg Thompson. She's the Vice President General Manager of Education for Franklin Covey. We're talking about the 30th anniversary of the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People written by Stephen R. Covey. What an amazing book. And we look at the awesome program called The Leader in Me. Lots to learn today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey is celebrating its 30th anniversary. It has been one of the most inspiring and impactful books ever written and has transformed the lives of presidents, heads of state, CEOs, educators, and parents. With all that is going on across the globe, where leaders and individuals are having to change the way they work, function, and manage their organization, these timeless principles are as helpful as ever. Meg Thompson is Vice President, General Manager of Education for Franklin Covey. Meg is responsible for leading a team that partners directly with K-12 schools and districts to develop the potential of their staff and students. Meg began her career with the company in 2000 and served as a consultant to the then Pharmaceutical Vertical. Prior to her appointment as Vice President, General Manager of Education, Meg served as a consultant and executive coach working with our execution content. Meg was instrumental in the early development of 4DX and worked with the largest Fortune 100 clients. In 2014, Meg was asked to assume a leadership role on the growing education team as a managing director of sales in the Northeast. As the education practice grew, so did Meg's responsibilities to include leading the Northern U.S. and Canada sales team, operations team, special project management team. Prior to joining Franklin Covey, Covey, Meg worked with the pharmaceutical, technology, and oil industries in organizational development positions. In each organization, her role was to improve productivity and performance while developing the human capital of the organization. Meg graduated from LaSalle University with a Bachelor of Arts in Industrial Psychology and Computer Science and has a Master's Degree in Human Organization Science from Villanova University and certified through Columbia University in Executive Coaching. Just a little bit about another uh, program from the Franklin Covey Institute that we'll talk a little bit about today. It's called What is the Leader in Me? Leader in Me is a whole school improvement model developed in partnership with educators that empowers students with the leadership and life skills they need to thrive in the 21st century. The process helps students learn how to become self-reliant, take initiative, plan ahead, set and track goals, do their homework, prioritize their time, manage their emotions, be considerate of others, express their viewpoint persuasively, resolve conflicts, find creative solutions, value differences, and live a balanced life. It utilizes several leadership, social, emotional learning, quality, and educational models and processes 
from past and current thought leaders. It includes the seven habits of highly effective people, a key component of the overall process, and is a synthesis of universal, timeless principles of personal, interpersonal, and organizational effectiveness, such as responsibility, vision, integrity, teamwork, collaboration, and renewal. Uh, Leader in Me is having a significant measurable impact on schools all over the world and in the lives of millions of students, parents, teachers, and administrators. Meg, we got lots to talk about today. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Hello, I'm happy to be with you, Stephen. Well, I appreciate it. And before we get into the focus of the show, the 30th anniversary of Stephen R. Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, let's talk about you. Uh, What do you do as Vice President and General Manager of Education for Franklin Covey? That's great. Uh, Well, you know, my primary role is partnering with our clients and future clients uh, to determine what their needs are and to see how how our solutions can fit into the goals that they're trying to achieve. And when that's a good match, uh, we, we then follow through with customer service and ongoing partnership and coaching. And so the goal is to find the right match, you know, it's only good when it's good. And so gotcha. find the clients that are a good fit for working with us and then to build strong relationships. And that's what my team does. Awesome. Awesome. It, I got to ask this because, and I said this before we started the um, recording that uh, this is my 33rd year in public education. And I've been from the classroom to the administration and to support staff at the district levels. And the, the seven habits of highly effective people has been part of my training throughout and uh, the, the, the Franklin Covey um, in, Institute, the organization itself, just different ideas and concepts have been a constant throughout that training. And the first, so I've been introduced and in the more modern era watching, going back and watching videos of uh, Stephen talking with people and so forth and do, giving presentations that become part of that. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? And if you did, what was he like? Yeah, when um, I did actually have the pleasure of knowing Stephen when I um, when I first started with the organization. He called me my very first week, and I will tell you that I was pretty shocked. I'm thinking, you know, I'm just being hired in as a a, a coach consultant. I didn't exactly feel like top of the food chain at that period <laughs> of time. And so when I picked up my phone and he said, this is Stephen, I'm like, Stephen, who? <laughs> and, then, and then when I realized it was Stephen coming, I'm like, what are you doing calling me? I just was shocked. And that's when he really began to share, you know, his philosophy on, um, you know, it, from a consulting perspective, you spend a fair amount of time traveling with clients. And the very first conversation that he had with me was a reminder to call home every night to speak with every one of my children. He said, do not only talk to your husband, you have to talk to your children and just make sure that you're taking care of those relationships. And I thought at the time, that's an unusual welcome to an organization, right? How do you welcome and make sure you take care of your family? That was his very first message. And I will tell you that every single time I would see him in in those years um, following that, the very first thing he would do, he had a way of connecting with you that I, I it's hard to explain, but there's, there's some people that can just look you in the eye and totally lock in. It was as if nobody else was around or mattered. And he would say, how are those three girls? And I thought, how on earth does he remember, you know, <laughs> that, awesome. that, that I have three girls, you know, and um, he just that that sense of, um, of complete authenticity was just a huge part of who he was and what he meant to me. 
That's excellent. Uh, th thank you. He's he's someone who I always wish I'd met. I'd, I've seen I've read his words so much and uh, and been seen his thought processes and, and like I said, seen him speak on, on videos and so forth. And uh, I was curious. I like ask, asking people who actually got a chance to know him. So good stuff. Thanks. Thanks for telling me. Uh, you know, to say that The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People was an impactful book is kind of an understatement. <laughs> I mean, what would you say is, is, is that magic that has made it so successful? I think my observation is that uh, it hits everybody in a really unique and personal way. Uh, probably in the, my 20 years with Franklin Covey, um, I've met thousands of people, you know, who have been impacted by, by Stephen's writing and they all feel like it was written for them. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of, that's really kind of remarkable. If you think about being able to write something that everybody says, this is exactly what I needed, or this completely aligns with how I feel about whatever. And so I think it was the personal connection that he was able to make to every individual reader that, that just made this so special. That's, that's awesome. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's going to sound dumb because this is an audio podcast, but uh, so like I reached on my shelf and found my original copy, which I have, you know, it's all the, I, I've used it for over the years, many, many times, and it still has all you know, it, it's funny because I, I would use little comments and things as bookmarks that I would put back in there. And you can see the different years that went by and such. And it's just, and this is just me alone as somebody who, I mean, I, that copy I got in, I want to say like 97, um, 98, somewhere in there is, is where I got that copy. And it's just interesting. So, but yeah. with that being said, just amazing. Um, they, uh, I got to look at the years there. So probably maybe 2000, what is it? <laughs> It's 30th anniversary, so. Yeah, 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 that's great. Well, the brown label, we we, we can tell them by the label, uh, by the color <laughs> behind the logo. So. Nice. So so for the listeners, it, I have the brown label. It's <laughs> and the pages have become quite faded, so but, yeah, that's great. good stuff. Um, you know, during this time of uncertainty, which of the seven habits do you think is the most important? I mean, which habit has been found to be the most helpful during this time? What do you think? Hmm. I bet you could probably talk to 10 people and get 10 different answers uh, to that one. For me, I feel like the one I continue to return to is just beginning um, with that seek first to understand, uh, you know, that that's really the most important thing we can do. I, I think in most circumstances, but now more than ever, just to really be able to take time to slow down and fully understand uh, the position of the, the people or persons that you're speaking to or working with. Uh, we, we're all in such a hurry. Uh, and I think that the jumping to conclusions about what people think or care about is so dangerous. So for me, that's, uh, if every, I, I think about it all the time, if everybody just slowed down to seek first to understand, uh, we would be in a better place. So that would be my, my opinion on it. That's awesome. I think that's a great, great example, you know, right on the money right there, seeking to understand. Yes. <laughs> Be helpful. <laughs> um, the, uh, so one of the things that I wanted to ask you is, you know, um, in, in thinking about the seven habits, how have you seen it actually transform lives? I mean, have you seen some of that take place where people have just really changed who they are based upon it? Yeah, I think that is kind of um, the best part of, our work, in, at least in my opinion, is that 
Um, our work is about changing human behavior generally, right? That um, we have an opportunity to meet people over the years who are so excited to share their personal transformations. And so whether it's um, a teacher who struggles with obesity and reads the seven habits, and then the next time we hear from them, they've completed a half marathon and completely changed their life to uh, a student who has um, a difficult home life, but because they've learned the seven habits at school, get up early and walk to school because they are committed to being on time because their class is counting attendance and timeliness and they're not going to be the, the missing link in their in their class's ability to hit that um, that metric and you just look at all the times we've been in um, in conversation with individuals and and for me that's what's pretty remarkable right because we work with organizations yet it is the individuals within the organizations and their change, their personal change is really what makes the difference, right? Organizations don't change, people do. And right. so uh, that just goes on over and over again. And we have the privilege of hearing stories um, throughout the years that you just, you know, I, they're just remarkable. One of the, uh, one of the areas of the book that I constantly refer to is the section that talks about starting with the end in mind and uh, in leading and focusing on changing school environments and such, that's probably been some of the best. <laughs> yeah, it's like, where are we going? Where are we trying to get to? And um, that in itself has helped just tremendously in all kinds of aspects of uh, um, what I do or have done. And I just think it's, it's cool just thinking about the different ways that uh, you've probably come in contact with people who tell you different types of stories about how they've used it. But uh, so what's the difference with, with the new book and uh, you know, why is it important to include fresh insights for a new generation of leaders? I mean, cause I know there's been some stuff added to it. So yeah. just, hence for those of us who have the Brown book, what's the, <laughs> the Brown label? What's the new? Well, well the new book is, uh, <laughs> is kind of the white and gold label with the red lettering on it. And um, the, the real difference in this book is uh, Sean's insights. Uh, so Stephen's son, Sean Covey, um, added his own insights. And Sean was really reluctant, quite honestly, when the idea first was brought to him, he was like, no way am I gonna mess with my dad's book? <laughs> you know, it sold however many million, it seems to be okay, what on <laughs> earth am I? He really was reluctant. And after um, a lot of conversation with his, with his siblings and his mom, and they decided that, okay, uh, I'll do this. And the intent was to kind of update it, you know, to the original writings are still there. So he didn't change Stephen's writings, but there is at the end of each chapter and, and the pages are even grayed out. So you can be really clear what, what are Sean's inserts. And he just talks about those principles and how they've been applied since Stephen first wrote them and then learnings and kind of adaptations. And so that was really the idea so that we could get a sense of how those seven habits have been used over these 30 years. And so that as a reader, you get a better, fuller picture of it. And so that's, that's how this version, this edition is different. That's awesome. That uh, I can imagine he was reluctant in the beginning. <laughs> uh, 
what are you, what are you really asking me to do here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was really not, not down for it. It took some convincing. Very cool. So, you know, and all this stuff going on, let's, let's just talk about the, let's just talk about the COVID world maybe for a minute. Um, what advice do you think that Stephen would have for us today and as, as leaders and in, in roles and in, uh, in dealing and especially thinking about it in terms of, uh, of the virus? What sort of advice do you think he'd be giving us? Yeah, I would, that's, that's always tough, right? So, uh, right. you know, I hope I do Stephen justice, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> but my guess is that he would take us right back to the habits. So uh, I have um, the honor of working with a lot of uh, Stephen's sons. And so uh, over the years, I've known them all. And invariably, there's lots of great Stephen stories that come out, you know, as you're just kind of hanging out or in meetings or whatever. And invariably, what they share is, you know, kind of the curse and the blessing of uh, being raised by the most effective habits author. <laughs> There's not a lot of mercy, right? So I if, can imagine. If, oh you're, if you're having a victim mentality, then that's <laughs> going to be like, hey, don't be a victim. And so um, I think that my guess is he would give us all the same advice uh, as we are um, making our way through these unprecedented changes that affect every aspect of our life. And it is just so easy to turn inward or outward and blame, you know, everything but ourselves. I suspect he would say, hey, just, you know, take a moment and control what you can control. And that circle of control and influence that he introduced is never more important when we consider, okay, there's some things we cannot control of which COVID is one of them, but there are lots of things that we can control about how we interact in a COVID environment that will make it better and survivable. And maybe even more than that. I mean, I'm a bit of an optimist. I feel like there's gonna be innovations. I think there's silver linings to everything. And you hear about it, you know, just the family dinners that seem to have disappeared in the last 20 years are now back. So I think there's, I think we all just have to stop and really um, use those habits maybe more than we ever did. Um, and I think that's what he would guide us back to the basics. That's awesome. I, and I can imagine, and it, I got to say something that you said earlier, which is, yeah, I can imagine the curse of being one of his sons, which that, that <laughs> so would, would be that, uh, you know, the con the, that constant reminder, it would be a blessing and a curse, like you said. So it just, <laughs> that just sounds funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, um, Anyway, uh, awesome. I, I appreciate it. And I know that, you, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, uh, um, we can uh, go into too many specifics here, but I, I do think that, uh, you know, it, it is a book that I think a lot of people would, it would help them calm down and to take a look at and, and read as, you know, thinking of those words, because they're not going to go out of date. And uh, it just helps you, uh, it might help you thinking how to deal with the situations that you're having centered around um, the, the virus and so forth and working with the, the people around us and who might not be as settled or calm and, and so forth and so on. So good stuff. Um, you know, you have the Franklin Covey program has a uh, Institute has a, uh, a program called the leader in me. Can you just talk about that just a little bit? Yeah. So uh, the leader in me really is, you know, something that has, um, it was kind of a gift, right? And it, it was born with educators. So that makes perfect sense that uh, to your point, so many educators were exposed to the seven habits through their own leadership training. 
and um, Muriel Summers, uh, the principal of A.B. Combs in Raleigh, North Carolina, was faced with a challenge of how to reinvent her school and attended Seven Habits that Stephen was teaching. And it struck her as she sat there, why do we wait till they're adults <laughs> to teach them these things? <laughs> they seem pretty fundamental. And so in a very simple, you know, after seminar meeting with Stephen, she said, hey, is this something we could teach to kids? And Stephen, in his usual, I, I don't see why not kind of answer, started something that turned into what we now know as Leader and Me, which is um, a comprehensive integrated process to bring social emotional learning skills into buildings. And so the seven habits are the foundation um, and layered on top of them are uh, many of our other existing uh, learnings and uh, key components of Franklin Covey content. So around goal setting and execution, we all know that students that have strong ability to set goals just fare better. So bringing that into the picture has been really important. And I think what sets it aside is the leader in me involves the entire building. So it's not the kind of thing where you open up a box and hang a poster and say, today we're going to talk about, and then next month open up another box and hang another poster. Um, we believe that learning is inside out. And so we first start with the adults in the building. And I think in a COVID world, this is really what we're seeing as we're talking to our current clients and, and schools that are looking at this. They're not coming to us initially and saying, oh, our students need whatever. They're saying our staff really needs some help with resilience. They really need some help with just managing through all of this change. And so the leader in me, although ultimately focused on the student, begins with the adults in the building. And um, it is really through their modeling. So it's a, it's a very authentic process that brings about cultural change. And uh, really, just recently, we were identified as the leader in me was identified as the number one change management in SEL in K-12 education. And that just speaks to the pervasive impact uh, when you take the time to implement something like this. So it's, it is, I mean, I, I would love to invite anybody <laughs> to go visit a leader in me school. I mean, visiting schools right now might not be a thing, <laughs> um, but the... Um, you know, you can feel the difference when you're in a building. And I'll say that the, that's definitely the first thing people will say when they walk into a leader in me school is it feels different here. And, you know, that's exactly what we're after, creating that safe and nurturing environment for students to come and to learn uh, and to be able to flourish as, as little humans. So um, it, it probably, I you know, when... In Stephen's later years, it was something that he said, this is really, in his mind, his most important use. Uh, you know, when he looks back at the seven habits and his body of work, uh, and he entered a school, and he would visit the schools regularly, uh, he felt like this was, this was it. You know, this is the purest, best use of the habits, getting them into the hands at very formative times um, for students. Is it directed at a certain level or is it all, all levels K through 12? 
It is K through 12 and even pre-K through 12. I mean, I will tell you the first time I was told that Leader Me was being implemented in a pre-K environment, I was a little bit skeptical. I'm like, so wait a minute, <laughs> you know, they're, they're pretty little. But then all of a sudden, you know, I would visit a pre-K classroom, you know, and sit on the floor circle time and you would have the littlest person in the class talk about being proactive and i'm thinking okay what tell what's proactive i'm not i'm not buying it that you know what that is it means if i have an idea that i can raise my hand and talk to my teacher or talk to my mom or dad or and you think oh my gosh these guys are getting it and you know they get it i think that's what we've observed is each um each developmental age of a of a student they get it where they're at Right. So a, a, a pre-K kindergartner is going to get it at a very elementary level, like at the very, very earliest level. But then when you talk to a third, a fourth, a fifth grader, they're talking to you about social justice. They're using the exact same habit language, but they're they're taking it to a completely different level. And that really is has been just something pretty remarkable to see. Uh, we, when, we're, when we talk to schools that are in districts that are saying, hey, we, we wanna do this district-wide, we always are careful to make sure they understand what an empowered student looks like. An empowered student knocks on the door of administration and says, I have an idea, I have a thought. And as long as you're cool with that, this is gonna be awesome. But if you are more focused on a, on a control environment, you might, you know, not enjoy having empowered students. So it, it's a really funny conversation, but it's just remarkable when you turn, turn it over, you know, to the students. That that's excellent, and it's and, and it's neat knowing that it's at all different ages and levels. Because I know, I know I've talked with some elementary principals recently who have a program in place, and uh, um, and being a former high school principal, I could see. The, the role that it would play in a, in a great way as well. It's then, then I had no clue that it would be as at the pre-K level too, which is neat. So good stuff. They have, you, do you have uh, like uh, when school systems get involved in this, do they, do you kind of connect them with other schools? I mean, does it come like a, like a community of uh, sharing with each other type thing? Yeah, we, um, that is an area that we've continued uh, to build and it really is a global community. So um, almost half of our schools are outside of the US uh, with large populations in um, Brazil. We have schools in China. I mean, we're in 53 different countries, so I won't name them all for you. But what we, um, what we're finding as well is that our schools find each other. Uh, so in the U.S., we have lots of community engagement at the regional level. And so uh, schools in a particular part of a, a state will come together a couple times a year and share best practices and ideas and, you know, form that community. But what we're also saying is at the global level, there's a lot of connection. I was in a school in New York and they said, oh, you know, come on in, we're finishing up our project with Australia. And I was like, what are you talking about? They had reached out to a school in Australia and they had done a project-based learning on in the environment. The students had been working through Skype at that point and they had been working on this global project with Leader and Me students in Australia. 
Uh, I was in another building and they had just gotten back from a trip. They had taken a group of students to a school in Mexico and they spent the week studying the history of Mexico with their students and touring their leader in me school and sharing their ideas. And so we're excited because we really feel like this is going to be an area that we're going to just con continue to see. And, you know, if you believe in synergy, which we do, <laughs> you know, you just know good things are going to happen uh, by getting more people together. And so this is uh, going to be a continued area of growth and probably one of the more exciting ones from my perspective. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I can imagine how strong that community becomes, especially as they start reaching out and they're reaching out to all over the world. Um, that's, that makes it even better. So good stuff. I, you know, if a school or school system wanted to know more about the Leader in Me program, where would they begin? I would send them right to the website, leaderinme.org. Um, and that gives the plenty of information about what the Leader in Me is and how to get started. And if they want to talk to somebody to understand more, that's, that's the best place to, to do that. Very cool. Very cool. So, you know, we're kind of starting to, uh, to draw to a close here. And one of the things, Meg, if someone wanted to find out more information about everything that uh, is available here, because we're talking about the 30th anniversary of the, of the seven habits of highly effective people. We're talking about the leader in me and just all the, all the uh, leadership training and different possibilities that uh, offerings that the Franklin Covey um, program offers. What, uh, uh, you know, where could they go? Where's, what's the best place to send them for that? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, you know, franklincovey.com uh, forward slash solutions has pretty much everything that Franklin Covey does. Uh, when you go to leaderme.org, that will get you within the education practice specifically. And so even if maybe you're not thinking leader in me is where you want to start, that's a really good way to get connected to somebody within education. But either one of those places will be sure to get you connected to whatever you're after. Excellent. And I'll put those in the show notes, which would be awesome. And, uh, you know, and I've, I've got just the last couple of questions that uh, I'd like us to kind of chit-chat about, and uh, they're a little more disconnected from that, but it's questions I like to ask. So let's, let's go with that. And um, first one is, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? And if so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Oh, wow, that's a great question. I do, um, for sure. And um, it's funny because I think uh, on, uh, you know, in my consulting background, teaching seven habits, one of the parts of teaching seven habits is you, um, you talk about, you know, change agents. So who is that person in your life, to your point, that made a difference and I would say 90% of the time when people, you know, in the, in the learning group would come back, they would name a teacher or a coach. And I would ask them after that, well, have you ever told that teacher or coach the difference they made? And unfortunately, most of the time, the answer was no, we never did that. And so when you think about the profession of teaching, I think, oh, that's so sad because, you know, my, my son-in-law is a teacher and I know that, you know, not every day is, you know, sunshine and roses <laughs> and it, it would be something that would be, you know, lifting to, to hear from somebody after the fact that you made a difference. And so I, you know, I just think that it's pervasive for me. Yeah. I look back and I think, um, you know, there's certain periods of your life. And for mine, it would have been high school where, you know, a teacher, you know, pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, you can, you can do whatever you choose to do. 
And um, I think you can kind of pigeonhole yourself about what your opportunities are. Um, and for me, I was, uh, I was entertaining art school. Clearly, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't take that path. But I also didn't take that path at that one time just because it takes a lot of guts to take your body of work, you know, that portfolio, because it's, it's very personal. And if you don't get in, you're really being told you're not good, you're, you're not good enough. And so I, I was able to muster, you know, the guts to pull my portfolio together and to take it to be reviewed. And I would have never done that without the confidence, uh, you know, my, the borrowed confidence of my art teacher to say, look, you've, you've got a good enough body of work here to do that. And um, it was just a, a learning. Um, and I think it kind of comes back to Stephen's definition of leadership, that leadership is um, seeing your worth and potential and as clearly as someone else sees it in you, right? And so we borrow our own personal ideas of worth and potential from how others see us. And when you're a teacher, a parent, um, to be able to look at somebody and say, I believe in you and you have worth, potential and genius, uh, that's huge, right? And so uh, that I look back on that and it just gave me confidence that I, I certainly didn't have at the time. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And you're so, so right. I mean, sometimes it's that teacher gives you that inspiration to say, to take that step, whatever that step is that you're trying to do. And that's cool. Um, you know, last question I have, it goes like this. When, when things get difficult or there are too many issues all coming at once and you want to quit, how do you overcome those feelings and keep going? <laughs> well, that's a massive question. I think this yes. is the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think um, for me anyway, it just comes to like taking that breath, right. Putting that space, between stimulus and response, because I feel like all of us are in that world now where maybe not all day, but points of our day or our week, we feel fire hosed and it's overwhelming. And so just being able to take that minute and it's, for me, it's about prioritization, right? So that beginning with the end of mind, kind of taking a deep breath and saying, okay, what, what's really important here? What has to be taken care of right now? And what can I put off? till later because it is super easy i think uh to get caught up in that whirlwind and feel like everything has to get done right now and that's that's just not sustainable and so uh, and it's super easy to say take a breath <laughs> it, you know it says easy and does hard right yes <laughs> and so i feel like that's um that's what i know i have to do and uh that's that's it you know there'll always be more to do at the end of the day that's for sure and that's, that's such great advice. I mean, in this world of, you know, where people send an email and they're waiting for a response <laughs> and that's sometimes it's like, okay, wait a second. You know, just because you have immediate, you can send it to me that quickly. doesn't mean I'm actually sitting right there and can respond back to you, but it puts that pressure on you along with everything else that's going on. And yeah. I think that knowing how other people handle just the different ways of how easy it is to get overwhelmed and how to deal with it and great advice that you gave. So Meg, thank you so much for talking with me today. Stephen R. Covey has left an amazing legacy. The seven habits of highly effective people is an amazing book and what a wonderful testament to that is it celebrates its 30th anniversary. Uh, thanks for sharing about the seven habits, of highly effective people and the leader in me and wishing the best at all you do. Thanks so much, Stephen. Great to be here.
Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.